Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% L.A. Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, L.A. Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you from, uh, let's see, our houses. Once again, it's still quarantine time. It's a wonderful April 23rd uh, as everything starts to heat up around the Southland. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, uh, getting you ready for some more exciting LA Galaxy talk. We finally have a bracket. It's done. It's complete. You voted. We know who the winner is. We're going to tell you who the winner is. Uh, so we're going to have that. Uh, we have a lot of league news and some interesting sort of rumors that are coming back and forth and all sorts of in-between uh, there. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about and hopefully, fingers crossed, joined a little bit later in the show, probably right around 7.15 or so, uh, we'll be joined by former L.A. Galaxy defender Mr. Todd Dunavant, um, who, if you're guessing, has played on one of the teams that did win our bracket. So we'll tell you who that is to help me do all that. It's Eric, the Portuguese hammer. He's back two weeks in a row. Uh, I had to, I had to like send his wife flowers and a whole bunch of stuff just to get him back for a second week in a row. But, but we made it happen. I was gonna say, how it's, you doing? It's a, good to be back. Yeah, go ahead, but, Eric. Uh, I, I may need a break after this. I mean, yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, again, having some technical difficulties here, so I'm probably on a little bit of delay. But uh, yeah, just it's good to be back. But I'll probably need a little break after this between. Uh, you know, all the FIFA streaming we have going on and uh, podcast stuff and family, you know, obligations and learning home teaching and work. It's just uh, crazy times in the household. But try to look big picture. We're all happy. We're all healthy. Uh, at, at the end of the day, that's a good thing. We're, we're in a good spot. Yeah, it seems that way. Well, good. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I'm glad that we could uh, hang out for a little bit and we got a bunch to get to. Let's start with a uh, little bit of the uh, the new stuff that just came out. Obviously, on Thursdays, we get used to MLS making some sort of announcement about the state of the league and when everything is going to come back. Uh, and what we got today was an extension of the training moratorium. Now, we knew that it was going to be extended because, technically speaking, uh, it was set to expire. That moratorium was set to expire um, on the 24th, so tomorrow, Friday, uh, as we're recording. Uh, that now has been extended to Friday, May 15th. This should not surprise anybody. We all knew that there was no way in the world that anything would be started up. But the May 15th date is more interesting now with the league, quote unquote, setting expectations that they may be getting ready to start the league up in June. So you're at May 15th. You know that there needs to be a certain number of, uh, of warm up things that need to happen for training and everything else that uh, that May 15th date starts to be a little more impressive if the if the LA Galaxy and all the teams in Major League Soccer Hammer uh, are thinking about possibly coming back uh, in June, which still seems a little bit of a reach. But right now, uh, th that's sort of where, where we're at. This wasn't surprising to you, was it? No, not surprising. I think, um, you know, we we know that they're going bit by bit, piece by piece. They're not going and extending it or canceling anything whole hog. So just the fact that they, you know, extended it the amount of time they did again, May 15th, we know that's hopeful. Uh, but again, if, if it, that is just a training moratorium, again, if they're going to move towards something that's closed doors, uh, which is, seems like all signs are pointing towards some closed door games without fans, that the team is going to eventually going to need to be together. So, um, you know, if precautions are, are taken and everyone's safety is put first and foremost, and they're able to get some type of training, maybe with some social distancing, just to get everyone at least on the same page 
uh, you know, in the same location, I could see that possibly working. Again, it's still very hopeful. I don't know if they're, you know, setting up training in Huntington Beach or what they have going on uh, if they're out there. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not surprised by it. I, I would expect probably one or two more extensions, though, realistically. Yeah, it still seems like we're we're at the infancy of this whole thing. Uh, you know, I think the German Chancellor Andrew, Angela Merkel. I know I'm going deep on the politics side today. Uh, Angela Merkel said, you know, we're not at the end of this. We're you know nobody wants to say it. We're at the beginning of this. Um, and so you know we're going to be living in this quote unquote new normal for a little while. So all this stuff is things that we have to learn. Some of these processes that have to come out have not been developed yet. Um, and so uh, you know as Californians. Uh, we've been hanging in there for the most part. Things are, have looked pretty good. We've done a good job of flattening, flattening the curve, all that. That doesn't mean that people aren't going to still get sick. Uh, and we've seen cases rise in uh, L.A. County uh, just in the recent uh, days as well. So um, it's it's still a, a sort of sobering reality whenever you look at all the things that still need to happen. Uh, and as we talked about on Monday, if you miss Monday's show, which I think is a great quick 35 minutes, um, some really interesting stuff from Kevin and I. But, I, you know, I talked to some players and they're nervous about coming back. So this is not just a slam dunk hanger, hammer in terms of, hey, um, you know, oh, yeah, well, everybody go play. Well, the, the players are wondering how they're going to be kept safe during all this travel, everything else, testing, um, all those things are still answers that that nobody seems to have and so again may 15th optimistic june 8th optimistic um however that ends up happening uh it, it ends up happening but uh this isn't a quick fix uh and no matter how it is and you've seen some rather large supporters groups uh at least one or two uh come out today and saying that they don't even support closed door games um which is i think more a turn when you're looking at it hammer i think this was uh the emerald city supporters um up in seattle uh, who, who came out, but I think this is more about making sure that the players are safe and that making sure workers who have to work that in front office st- staff are safe. So closed door games for them, are, uh, they're even opposing that right now. And I think it just has to do with safety. You're going to have to prove that you can do that safely uh, before you can even put them in a stadium and then before you can even put fans in a stadium hammer. It's a whole bunch of things that still have to happen. Yeah, I think, you know, to me, that's very on brand for a supporters group. That's what they do. They support and, you know, they believe that their support is what you know, helps drive the team and it leads to some of the team's success. So to me, for a supporters group to come out and say that, that they're in favor or not in favor of closed door games, it, it makes sense. Um, but again, at the end of the day, they can say that they don't approve of it, but, you know, there are TV contracts to fulfill. There are, um, you know, other ways and people's livelihoods that may be at stake. So, uh, you know, thank you for sharing the consideration, but it's not something that necessarily will be honored. And I just kind of want to go back to what you said about you know, people wanting to go back to you know some some type of normal and getting used to the new normal and wanting some answers. And I think a lot of people want answers right now, but they're just that they're not there. You know, we're we're not at a point in in this wave where we we have the the rapid testing or we have uh, you know proven uh, you know techniques that are going to help curb this. They're just they're, the answers aren't there. So it is frustrating because we're navigating in a world where you know we want to know how can we solve this, but if if you don't know what you don't know, and so I think. It's not satisfying to tell people we need to hold and just wait until we gather more information because, you know, as as we see, people get a little bit impatient. You know, we're going on 30, almost 40 days uh, of people with the stay in home order in effect. And you're starting to see, you know, kind of the the desperation, the need for something. And unfortunately, uh, you know, you don't want to force things. You know, I always used to say, don't peak too soon. But, you know, this is almost the opposite. Don't don't be too soon. You don't want to you don't want to go out and, and do something because you really want it to happen without having the science or the background or truly the information that's going to make it useful. So uh, again, there's just not a lot of answers right now. And I think we need to start 
being accepting of the fact that we're not going to have answers and that's okay. And that, you know, as long as, you know, everyone's healthy, that's the most important part. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get there eventually. Everything uh, everything will quote unquote find a new normal, or or we'll you know adapt and do different things. So we'll get there. But before we get Todd Donovan on, we have to reveal the winner of our bracket. We have a bunch more stuff to go over, and normally we save the bracket for the end. But it's important that you know who the winner of this bracket is. If you remember, uh, we started with uh, what sixteen teams, Aaron? Sixteen, 16 teams. teams. Sixteen teams, all ranked uh, according to points per game. Um, and we, uh, we then set them against each other. Uh, it wasn't perfect. I think that in a perfect world, uh, our final would have been probably between 2011 and 2014. Although there are some great arguments about 2012 to be made. Um, so all these things happening, our final matchup was 2011 versus 2012 and was 63% of the vote, your vote. Uh, the 2011 team is the champions of the corner of the galaxy madness 2020 best LA galaxy team ever. That is your champion. You have picked them and I'm glad that you did because they were an excellent team. Uh, I will tell you this though, Eric, uh, and you know, this, uh, I lost the teams that I voted for in the last two rounds got knocked out. So I voted for 2014 over 2011. And I think I've, I've, I've argued that before. Um, and I've, and I voted for, uh, 2012 over 2011. And my big argument here was how did the LA galaxy get worse than worse in 2012? And the answer is they didn't, they didn't get worse. They got better. They got more of Robbie Keane and they got, they got, uh, Marcelo Sarvis in the midfield. And you look at Juninho and Marcelo Sarvis and everybody generally considers them the best pairing that, that, that the LA galaxy have had in the center. Um, and so you put that together, but the 2011 team, certainly has a lot of accolades. Uh, you know, they have the supporter shield there, Hammer. They have uh, the MLS Cup. They finally got across the line in 2011. There was so much goodness that happened. I mean, 2010 has a great argument for best LA Galaxy team ever as well, but you all decided that it's 2011, and I, I don't know that I can sit here and really, really argue that 2011 was not the best LA Galaxy team ever winning the double. What, what do you think, Hammer? Yeah, I, I mean, we we touched on it last week a little bit that the 2014 versus 2011 may have been the actual final. Uh, so maybe, you know, if in a perfect world, if you had different seedings, you'd have those teams meeting in the final. But I think it was fine with 2011 versus 2012 in the final. The, the, we talked about this a little bit off air, that to me, if you choose, you know, at their peak, a 2012 team versus at their peak, a 2011 team, I might go in favor of that 2012 team. But when you look at it, you need to reward the team that was dominant from beginning to end. They have a supporter shield. They have an MLS Cup. They, you know, very few losses, star power, you know, in, in and out. So I just think it's 2011 is a fair choice. And the, the fact that you could make arguments for 2014 and 2012 and 2010, you know, you mentioned it last week. We really are a spoiled fan base uh, because, again, there are so many teams that if you put them in uh, any other team around the league or several other teams around the league, they'd be happy for our, you know, fifth or sixth place ranking team. That would be their greatest team ever. So a little bit spoiled as an LA Galaxy fan to see that. I think 2011 was the right call. It was interesting uh, in so on social media and Instagram and both Twitter. The votes didn't quite go in 2011's favor. So it just kind of shows you, and, you know, if you, we made the official vote count on, on the cornerofthegalaxy.com website. So it was just a, a little bit interesting, but the, I don't think the votes were so skewed that, um, you know, 2011 was a reach. So congratulations, 2012. I know we have Todd Donovan coming on in a little bit. The good news for him and, you know, a strategically booked guest, when no matter which team won, he was would have been a part 
of that uh, MLS Cup winning side, the best ever. So no matter what, he was the Ironman of the 2011 season, uh, played the most games, 32 games played. So it's kind of fitting that we have him on today. But either way, he was going to come out on top because he was a member on uh, quite a few MLS Cup winning LA Galaxy sides. Somebody made a great argument uh, that I, I remember. Um, it was a really interesting one for sure. That was, uh, you know, they talked about the supporter shield and how important the supporter shield was in 2010 and 2011. Um, you know, and this person, and I believe they're correct because I was thinking back. I'm like, oh yeah, that's correct. Uh, in 2010 and 2011, you actually had balanced schedules, Eric. You had balanced schedules. You played everybody. You had uh, you had the everything that you needed. So, um, you know, it was it was a it was the perfect sort of thing to uh, to get you there uh, in terms of the supporter shield and everybody else. Now, um, we're going to uh, we're going to attempt this once more. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our best. We're gonna fingers crossed that technology works. Uh, and uh, welcome back to the show, a very good friend of the show and a guy who has five MLS Cup rings. Uh, and so we're we're glad to have him back on our a good friend of the show, Mr. Uh, Todd Donovan. Todd, are you there, buddy? Hey, yeah, good. Yeah, how uh, how are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having us on or thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, we're this technology thing. We cross our fingers every time we try to pull this off live and uh, and, and do this. So or we're glad it glad it worked there. Um, but we just announced, Todd, that the 2011 team was named by the voters at Corner of the Galaxy as the best L.A. Galaxy team ever. It beat out 2012 by 63 to 37 percent on the voting. Now, I know when you and I were talking before, you said that if you had a vote, you would have put it on the 2011 team as well um why was that 2011 team the best team uh, according to you well you can't go wrong with either team i gotta i gotta be honest um both pretty special um and so stoked to be part of both of those but something about 2012 uh, 2011 i think from for me we we really started the rebuild if you want to call it that the renaissance of you know having having a lot of success in t- 2009 um, and that was when Bruce really had his first full season to take over. We, we brought in a lot of, a lot of, you know, new players, a lot of veteran players, uh, drafted Omar, drafted AJ, um, really got the core of our team together. And then over the next two years, you know, we had a lot of success in 09, kind of getting things, steering the ship in the right direction, obviously lost in penalty kicks in, in MLS cup, um, follow that up the next year with the supporter shield win. Uh, but fell short in the playoffs. And then, you know, really that third year in 2011, we were, we had a mission and nobody was going to get in our way. And that was, I think that was the big thing for us was uh, we, we had destiny on our side. We, it didn't matter what was in front of us. We were going to go through it. And you look at that team, um, you look at the, the, the quality of players, obviously Robbie Keane came into the mix mid season. Um, it was a special group and you, you have someone like Greg Berhalter in his final year, uh, able to kind of mentor and, and move into kind of a player coach role. You had, um, Frankie Haydock. You had so many, so many characters in that group that were so strong. And then, you know, for me defensively, we were, we were the best team potentially ever. Um, you look at that record and that, that back four that we had consistently playing, it was a special group. And, and then we had four four players out of that team that uh, that ended up on the best eleven at the end of the year. So there, there's so many reasons why I could keep going, um, but certainly a special year. Yeah, it was. It seemed like it was one of those those years, Todd. That it, it wasn't. I would, I would say there wasn't a lot of drama involved, um, only because you know you guys would score, 
And that would be it. Um, you knew one goal was more than enough. You didn't need to do anything else. And I remember Galaxy fans at the time and, you know, people watching the team would be like, OK, yeah, they're, oh, they're, they're, a goal went in. OK, everybody can go home now. This game's over. Um, you know, and after the heartbreak of 2010, and I think maybe, you know, you, you, we, you downplay that just a little bit, 2009, obviously heartbreak, you get to the finals and you lose some penalty kicks. 2010 though, was supposed to be the redemption of 2009 and you get to the playoffs and Dallas put a whooping on everybody and surprised everybody. And it was like, oh, okay. You know, this is yeah. really, so, so 2010 ended in, in almost as much heartbreak as 2009 when you really looked at how good that 2010, 2010 team was, um, you know what? You know, whenever you look at 2011, was was there ever a doubt in your mind uh, that that you guys weren't going to win the MLS Cup? Uh, you know, we knew that it was going to be in LA. This is before uh, you know it was hosted by the higher seed, so this was it all lined up for us, and we knew that Los Angeles uh, at the Home Depot Center we were going to host uh, that final regardless, and so. We knew it lined up for us, um, but it wasn't easy. I mean, it's never easy. Championships are, are so hard, uh, and and you have to be so focused all the way through. And I think that that's what was so cool about that year is we we were we had about as perfect a season as you could have. Um, you know, we only lost. I, I don't remember our record exactly, but we lost maybe five games the whole year. We advanced through Champions League uh, into the next round in, in the format back then. Um, you know, and then kind of go, you know, we win the shield, uh, we win, you know, and, and go through to, to the cup. Um, it was, it was an amazing year. I'm, I'm certainly biased. That was the year that I, you know, I probably had my best season, um, as a pro that year. And, um, you know, it was just it was that group after David being, being in LA and getting his first championship with the galaxy. That was, that was special. Um, and then, you know, Robbie coming in to kind of complete really the greatest uh, DP trio this league has ever seen. Um, it was it was awesome. And then defensively, yeah, that was that was our mentality. I, I think it's cool that you, you mentioned that because that was that was how we looked at it. Um, we had four American defenders that primarily consisted of that back line. And uh, we took a lot of pride in that. We took a lot of pride in each other. Um, and it, it ended up being. Uh, you know, for me, that it was the best team up to that point in, in, in MLS history. Eric, do you have a question? You want to you want to roll yeah. on that one? <laughs> I'll, I'll keep rolling with it. So good memory. They did only have five losses. So, yeah, they're, uh, you know, the players, of course, especially if you're a defender, you're going to remember having a great mark like that. Um, but you mentioned about it being uh, David Beckham's first MLS Cup and being around kind of what he brought to the league. And this is a question, you know, that, that's a popular question. But being around him, uh, do you have like a David Beckham story, uh, you know, either in, on the field, off the field, something that resonates? Because it seems like he was a bigger than life personality uh, off the field as well as on the field. Yeah, off the field is probably what people know more uh, in a way in terms of like his character. But really on the training ground is where you saw the, the competitor come out. Um, you, you saw him take it up a notch, too, in playoffs and in big games. He, he had, he, you could see that other gear that he had, the other level. Um, but come, come training every single day, he was, he was a competitor and he loved to win. Um, and you could see in his career, he, he won throughout his career, wherever he went. And uh, you see why, because he, he takes it uh, so seriously every day. He loves the game. He loves playing. 
he's a kid out there, um, but he's he's damn good. And uh, the quality that he brought to our team was was phenomenal. So it was our job to kind of complement that to make sure that he was not the only one out there. Because um, I think that was a trap that maybe the, the the team fell into when he first came. He was he was bigger than life, and it was hard to hard to deal with that. I think we had a group of veteran players that knew that he was going to be a, a very important part of our team, but he wasn't going to be our, our team. No, no single player was. And so I think when we had that understanding and we're able to complement his uh, supernatural talents, um, you know, it, it, it made for a good combination. And that's why I think defensively we took so much pride in, in shutting the other team down because we knew we'd score. We knew we'd get a, an opportunity. And when we did, uh, it was locked down and, and that was going to be the end of it. You know, one one of my arguments that I have, Todd, about 2012, possibly, I, I want you to know, I think 2014 may have been the best LA Galaxy team. That was that was one of my arguments. And then whenever I saw the matchup between 2011 and 2012, uh, Eric made a great point and he made it such a such a good point in my head that it really stuck out. But, you know, Marcelo Sarvis joined the team in 2012. Uh, you got a full year of Robbie Keane in 2012. I think Omar Gonzalez was injured until about July in 2012 as well. I think he, he had some sort of injury and he came back like July 4th, right around there. Um, yeah. If you had 2012 play 2011 at 2012 peak and 2011 peak, um, now you'd have to be playing on both sides of the ball there. Um, but you know, at the same, at, at <laughs> the same time, the I mean, yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, is, is, is there an argument that 2012 could have beaten that 2011 team? Are they that close? Yeah, I guess if you're talking peak, that's an interesting question because I think what was so what differentiated the two years was 2011. We were supporter shield winners. We were from start to finish the best team, and by a by a wide distance. If you look at the the race throughout the year, we were you know consistently two three games ahead of the the next closest team to us. So we were so far ahead, and we never gave anyone a moment to, to, to catch us. I think what was different about 2012, we started slow and, you know, the, the really up until May and after the, the Montreal trip, that was kind of the turning point when we went to DC, when we had the ring ceremony for 2011 at the white house, uh, we had a couple extra days in, in Montreal. I'll always say like, that was the turning point for our team. Like we just sort of relaxed. Um, we, we, kicked back we enjoyed ourselves for a couple of days we had the ring ceremony and after that we never looked back and then you you take 2012's record from that point on um and it's it was it was pretty incredible uh, um but i think when you look at the, the whole of of the season for 2011 that, that's why for me it's it's a stronger stronger year but yeah if you break down the uh, 2012, 2014 um, have good cases as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, always an interesting discussion. Uh, now I think let's switch gears just a little bit um, and try to sort of uh, s- sort of wrap our heads around what's going on in the soccer world right now. Uh, your general manager up at uh, at Sacramento Republic. Um, you know what's going on with with your team and and how is uh, obviously this pandemic uh, affecting what you guys have been doing and planning for. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think this is bizarre for everyone. You know, this is uncharted territory for for all clubs. Everyone's in the same boat. Um, you know, we had a player that even tested tested positive that we announced, and you know, just going through that as a team, you know, our, I think we became closer because of it. Um, and you know, it's for us. It's about trying to just like everyone, trying to keep the players motivated, keep them interested. 
keep the staff together, uh, keep that locker room vibe that you normally get every day. You, you maybe take for granted because you're always around and you show up and it's there and it exists and you're in the training room and there's banter and all these things that you're used to. Right. Uh, when you're on lockdown, you can't have that. Uh, or at least you, it's not in the same way you, you could. And so we're trying to find creative ways to, to keep it interesting, keep it light, um, keep it fun, but also keep them motivated knowing that, Hey, you know, we are going to come back. Um, we don't know when yet, but we are going to come back. And when we do, we want to be ready. So that, that I think is the same challenge for everybody at this point. And, um, you know, I like, I like the attitude of our guys. I like the, uh, I like the, the mentality. And I think that, that hopefully will, will, will pay dividends for us when we, we return. Hammer, any more uh, questions before we uh, let Todd get out of here? Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, Sacramento Republic, I know uh, obviously with them coming into MLS, I have some family who lives in that area. They've been following the team for a while, so they're extremely excited to have them join join the league. So um, planning ahead, some different expansion teams come in with different philosophies. What is going to be Sacramento's Republic? What, what in your vision, uh, what type of players might they go after? Or what might be the style what, what can we come to expect for our next California team joining the league? Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, honestly, you know, there's two teams obviously in LA now. Um, you've got the earthquakes and, and adding another one to Northern California just kind of rounds it out in a nice way. And and like you said, you've got family, you know what it's like here. Um, I, I was on the, it was 2014. Uh, we had just played uh, a home game. We, we went back in, we watched, we were watching on the TV the last, you know, 10 minutes of Galaxy 2 versus Sacramento Republic. And we watched Galaxy 2, um, you know, a, a lead kind of go away. And it's ends up being kind of the pivotal moment here in Sacramento um, on, on a comeback. And it just changed everything. And you saw, like, we were shocked because we didn't, you know, you didn't hear about, think of soccer, Sacramento as a soccer hotbed. But sure enough, it just blew up and 10, you know, 20,000 fans to, the first game it was just wild um you know which out, outdrew a lot of mls teams at the time so um it's been an awesome thing to see up close and i think we're so excited you know there's gonna be a brand new stadium downtown in terms of our philosophy and and our sort of who we are um you know it's sacramento is about perseverance it's there's a saying city motto is uh herbs indomita which is indomitable city um which means perseverance overcoming you know, odds. And, uh, it took us a while to get, get the franchise. We got it. We didn't give up. Um, and I think that's going to be the, the nature of the player that we're going to have is, is hardworking, gritty. Uh, we're not LA, we're not the Bay area. Um, we've got our own identity and, um, you know, it's going to be something that I think the people here are going to be really proud of, uh, when we, when we tried out for the first time in 2022. It's uh, it's going to be fun. Always fun adding more teams to the league as it keeps growing. And, you know, by 2022, I feel pretty confident in saying we'll actually be back to playing soccer. So, uh, you know, hey, fingers crossed. We'll keep it uh, keep ahead of that way. Before I let you go, wanted to say congratulations. I know your family grew by one here not too uh, too long ago. So uh, we wanted to wish you uh, all the best for uh, for your growing family there and hope everybody's staying uh, real safe. No, I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Really uh, good chatting with you as always. Uh, you know, I love the Galaxy. Um, so many good memories and I could talk about uh, those teams all day long. Um, special, special time. Uh, I was so lucky to be part of it and, uh, never forget it. Awesome. Todd, we'll, uh, wish you all the best and, uh, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks guys. Yeah. All right. There goes Mr. Todd Donovan. Thanks, Todd. Um, 
Yeah, I was going to say it's no it's no surprise. Um, nobody's going to be surprised by this, Eric, uh, whenever I say this. Um, but Todd's one of my favorite people that I ever covered. Um, and the fact that uh, we've stayed in touch as he's gone. Remember, he was in charge of uh, of the San Francisco Deltas um, whenever they won the NASL uh, championship and then folded immediately after that in, in one of the strangest stories of championships in North American soccer. Uh, win a championship, fold. Thank you very much. We won it. Had a nice day. So he's in charge of that. Now he's general manager up there uh, covering our, and, and doing Sacramento Republic. And, and great question, obviously, them coming into the league, Erica. It's going to be fun. But Todd was such a fun guy to watch play. And when you look at left backs for the LA Galaxy, um, the list isn't very long. And Ashley Colt is one of them. And then, you know, you get to sort of, in my mind, you get to Todd Donovan. Um, and, you know, Todd Donovan, certainly for his longevity uh, and his his consistency with the L.A. Galaxy, um, you could certainly hold him up as possibly one of the best left backs in, in Galaxy history. And you would have an argument with Ashley Cole. And Ashley Cole is one of the best left backs ever to play in soccer, period. So um, just sort of putting those two things together is always fun. And, and it's always great to have him on. And uh, again, 2011, 2012 teams, he was there for both of them. Uh, he does have five MLS Cup rings, five, um, which is kind of crazy. Uh, him and Landon were always arguing about who would get more, but they were on the same team so often that uh, they ended up getting five uh, together. So uh, it was great having uh, having Todd on the thing are uh, on the show with us. Uh, Eric, uh, what do you think of uh, of the arguments there for, for 2011 that Todd had? I mean, are we, are we settled with this? Is everybody happy with 2011? Or are we sort of sitting there going, come on. I mean, the guy on the team says that 2011 was better than 2012. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to argue, right? Who are we? Yeah, I think, I think there are several players who are part of those squads who say that 2011 was the best team. I know uh, someone had showed a chat that they had with AJ De La Garza. He chose 2011. Uh, so I think 2011, and Todd mentioned it, from top to bottom, beginning of the season to the end of the season, you they were the best team. You know, he, he entertained our idea of what, if you magically put them uh, peak teams against each other, it would be right. interesting. Uh, but 2011 is still the fair team to reward. But just to go back to Todd, and, and you mentioned it, that you know, being one of the most consistent left backs and probably the greatest LA Galaxy left back ever, you know, if we're talking about best ever. And, and what I'm going to say may sound like an insult, but it's really not an insult. It's you don't appreciate guys like Todd until they're gone. And you realize, you know, we never had to worry about that position. And he was just so solid and so consistent. And maybe it wasn't going to be that, you know, jump off the field type of activity. But, you know, when, when he was gone is when you realize, man, we really had a, a solid defense and a solid left back position that we never really had to worry about while he was back there. It was never, you know, sketchy times, you know, when talk about some current LA galaxy roster where you get a little bit nervous when teams in get in behind, but you never really had that worry. So I think he, you know, the word underrated and underappreciated gets thrown around a lot, but I think he really is one that you, you didn't truly understand uh, his value to a team until he was no longer on the team. Yeah, it is. You're you're absolutely correct that you sort of overlook those things. Oh, by the way, uh, this is not I, I get this is not an insult. Todd was not fast. Um, he's not a fast guy. He was <laughs> he was always well positioned. Uh, and he was he was really good at that. And he made the the position look easy. Uh, you go back to Omar Gonzalez and AJ De La Garza and Sean Franklin um, and what they were able to put together with those four back there. And he talked about, you know, Greg Berhalter in there at one point, too. And, you know, AJ De La Garza sort of comes in and, and plays at the right back position for. A I mean, you know, there was all these little things that sort of had happened 
with um, with that team in 2010 and 2011 um, and, and trying to to figure out the little pieces. And it always seemed like, you know, 20, 2009 was a surprise. We've talked about that. 2010 was supposed to be the redemption tour. It didn't happen. And it hurt. We talked to Kevin Hartman about that because he was on the FC Dallas team that, that won that um, that particular uh, game. Was that the final that had Colorado and Dallas is 2010 yeah. Colorado and Dallas? The world's worst. Uh, I don't know if MLS. I was say were those both Western Conference teams. I, the way they used to do it, I, I remember. I think they, the Galaxy beat the New York Red Bulls in the Western Conference. Conference, you know, uh, yeah, one of the know, early rounds of that game. Yeah, yeah. So, so I forget, but I do remember. Uh, I think it was it Colorado and Kansas. I remember there were some clunkers there, uh, circa yes. you know 29, 20, uh, 2010. So. Um, or 2010 exact because the rest were all galaxy but I, I believe that was yeah the fc dallas colorado you know one zero boring i think it was a, i think it was an own goal i think an own goal like, won that yeah. won that mls cup it was horrible i, re- I remember that it was a uh, good times good times. so um anyway let's continue on now and uh and touch on some other things that we wanted to get to we talked to you about the league delaying uh one of the things the la galaxy announced eric and it was something that you and i have taken advantage of and a lot of people have taken advantage of uh, is that the LA Galaxy joined the other AEG properties in supporting the Mayor's Fund uh, for COVID-19. A hundred percent of the proceeds go towards the Mayor's Fund. This is not something where you spend ten dollars and fifty cents of it goes off to a fund. This was you spend ten dollars, ten dollars goes. Um, pretty simple, pretty easy, and it was highly discounted stuff. I mean, there were authentic, and I wasn't fast enough to get there, but there were authentic Robbie Keane jerseys for forty dollars. Um, that's a $120 shirt and it's for $40. You can get it. Uh, I did of course avail myself of the Giassi's artist bobblehead for $5 and the Steven Gerrard bobblehead for $5 because why not? It's $5. Um, you know, there was a whole bunch of things in there. I think I bought a Cosmo hat, the old Cosmo color hat, um, for I think $5 again, it, it just some ridiculous. Most of the stuff is sold out there. That's what I've, I've seen as I've gone there now. Um, but the team LA store, um, you should still go check it out because I've been told that they're supposed to be refreshing stuff as this keep c- continues. So there could be more finds there that you might want to purchase. I spent, you know, the first time I went through there and quickly racked up the $35 charge, you know, Eric, because it was $35 and I got a whole bunch of stuff and I was really happy about that. And then I saw other people, what they were buying because they were, and I'm like, well, I want to get that too. So then the other $45 I spent, you know, about $75 total, um, was on there to, you know, I got to keep filling the, the studio up, Eric, you know, that it it runs out of stuff. So, you know, you got to keep filling it up. I would say you have a nice uh, excuse to say it's for the studio. Uh, you know, I go on there and I, I, I also bought the Giassi uh, bobblehead. Uh, he was a favorite player of my daughter when he was here. So I said, it's for my daughter. You know, it's it's, it's not for me. <laughs> and then, of there course, I bought reusable bags. You know, you always need reusable bags. So I, I kind of found always. all these excuses. And then, uh, you know, my wife kind of tells me, what are we buying clothes for? What are you buying Galaxy stuff? They're not playing. We're not going anywhere. We're not going out. Why do we why do we need stuff? So uh, but, you know. much like you i'm a fan of a good deal and uh, so if you stick around the tmli store again the fact that 100 percent of the proceeds it's for a good cause uh and and you're going to find those rare things you're not going to get your you know uh, 2020 chicharito jersey there you're going to get your steven gerrard lego set your donovan ricketts lego you know your old cosmo beanie so if you're a collector and maybe there are some blind spots of yours where you didn't follow the team or maybe something you've been looking for you might be able to find it there a lot of the stuff is sold out but I know some scarves, they have like a, a 20, uh, 2005 scarf, 2002 style scarf. So there's some cool things there if, you, if you're into the galaxy and you're into collecting some fun items there. 
Yeah, I think there were there were some scarves. And the last thing I need is scarves. But I I bought. The, I think I had to because they were like ten dollars. And yeah, I know, I know. There's there's, there's scarves everywhere. Um. So yeah, they were ten dollars. The, the it was funny. Uh, John in the chat room says that you know he bought a Keen doll and a Keen uh, and a bobblehead. Uh, and he also bought ten Keen bags because those reusable bags were one dollar, Eric. <laughs> they were a dollar. How could you not buy more? So I bought five of those and like five of the Geossi's artist ones. And, you know, it's again, it was it was for a good cause. And it's stuff that you're never going to get that deal on ever again. A Geossi's artist bobblehead in any other world costs you at least thirty five or forty dollars. And that's discounted. It could be higher because I think I paid like sixty dollars for my Zlatan one that is in the studio. Um, so, yeah, it's just it was one of those good deals. And it was it was fun to just go through there. I know people were buying stuff for their dogs because um, there was a whole bunch of dog yes. stuff. It was just. Yeah, you got you got some you got yeah, some I got for, a dog for jersey. Jet Rocket. They only had yeah, I only they only had one available for my dog's size, so they're gonna have to share. The brothers are gonna have to share that Galaxy jersey. Uh, so yeah, good times. <laughs> Good, good times, good times indeed. Uh, all right, so that's uh, that's that. Now let's get to a little bit of rumors here before we get into something else that's kind of fun. And uh, I knew I had the perfect person uh, on the show for this particular rumor, and I'm afraid that the high-pitched squeals that will come out of your mouth whenever I mention this will not be able to be picked up by our audio. may scramble the YouTube feed, um, but everybody should just hang on. Uh, Bleacher Report insider Dean Jones uh, was reporting today, says that Cristiano Ronaldo, that guy, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo wants to conquer the world, and that means that basically America could be next. Uh, the likely destinations, Miami, duh. Um, Los Angeles, duh. Um, those are the two. Those are the two. And there's three teams between those two two locations. Um, and so, you know, you can you can certainly put that uh, wherever you want, Eric. But he's 35 years old now, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, he's not exactly the, the least controversial player in the world either. Obviously, there's some sexual assault allegations in Nevada that have been going on and on in circles and rounds. And it's it's I would say it's difficult to, to figure out what the truth is there. But certainly it's something that you have to consider if you're bringing him in. But the age thing, 35 years old, um, he's he's not a young chicken anymore. Um, so, you know, is Cristiano Ronaldo coming to the LA galaxy? Is, is that a possibility in your mind? Of course, that's a possibility. Everything's a possibility, especially, uh, when you're the LA galaxy. So you mentioned it 35 years old, not, not the young youngster that we saw tearing it up at Manchester United and, and Real Madrid, but he's still putting in great work at Juventus, still scoring goals, uh, still providing service for the Portuguese national team. Uh, with the Euros being postponed this year, uh, you know this could have been a last hurrah for for Ronaldo uh, as far as you know international competition. Although if if you're a follower of him, you see he he basically treats his body you know like a temple and and is someone. If if you're going to believe that the player is going to be able to extend their peak until they're 40, you know CR7 is the guy who could probably do it because he basically treats his body like a machine the way he trains and the way he takes care of it. So, um, you know, we saw what Zlatan could do after knee surgery at 38. So Cristiano Ronaldo at 36, uh, you know, with no knee surgeries, I, I could imagine him being a perfectly great piece uh, to build your team around and having a lot of great success because, you know, with a player that caliber, you don't say no. Um, just an interesting wrinkle with all this is L.A. or Miami. That's always going to be, you know, those destinations with European players. They may often fancy the East Coast because they do, you know, shorter flight to Europe. Uh, you know, that's something that they may consider. He does have family uh, in, in Portugal. And so if that's something to consider, that's a, a check in the box of Miami. But if you wanted to go full on conspiracy theory, which is something that I'm apt to do and that I like to right. do, 
is right. Cristiano Ronaldo is a Herbalife nutrition athlete. And so right. wh- where else would you want to go than the club yeah. with Herbalife nutrition on the sponsor of the jersey? So, I mean, it seems like a match made in heaven. We're, we're signing Cristiano Ronaldo. I'll pull a Kevin Baxter. I'm announcing it now. He's coming. Uh, start getting those jerseys ready. He's coming in COVID-19 uh, afterward. He's definitely coming in. So go ahead and mark it down. Uh, the one argument against, because I like to talk out of both sides of my mouth, is he's also a Nike athlete, and the last two teams he's gone to have been Adidas teams. So maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't. Probably doesn't. Uh, but if you're like me and you like a conspiracy theory, Ronaldo, he's coming. Herbalife athlete joining the LA Galaxy in 2022. Yeah, it, it, it was funny. I, uh, I put out on Twitter um, that uh, I said, if you've been following or listening to the show for any amount of time, there has always been this backdoor rumor that Cristiano Ronaldo would be coming to the LA Galaxy eventually, that it was going to happen, that it's already been decided, that things have already been talked about, decided, agreed upon, and that he would be coming to the LA Galaxy at some point in his career. And that old wives' tale continues to weave its way through every little part of fabric. I, I even tweeted out, I said, I'm pretty sure that that, uh, that Jared Dubois and I probably had this conversation many times on our podcast back in 2009 or 2010 or 2011 whenever people were saying, oh yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo... Uh, He's never coming. It's like, wait a minute. There's this thing that has been talked about over and over and over again. It's it's funny because it lives in this special place, Eric. It's not necessarily something all, you know, the everyday fan knows. But fans who have been around long enough have heard this rumor over and over and over again. And it seems to lie somewhere within the deep, darkest reaches of the L.A. galaxies. It's like in the corridors under the under the stadium. There has been this agreement with Cristiano and that he could be coming. Um, and so, you know, it's just something to watch again. Thirty five years old. Uh, his birthday was in February, so uh, he will be thirty six next February. Um, it's a whole bunch of interesting stuff to talk about. And certainly. Uh, saying that he could be coming to America. Listen, that seems like it's a logical place for him to show up. So it wouldn't be surprised me. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up with the LA Galaxy. Nothing surprises me anymore at this point whenever it comes to the LA Galaxy and who they can land, Eric. Um, and I think that is, one, that we're spoiled, and two, that the LA Galaxy and Uncle Phil have made it uh, a priority or a priority to uh, surprise us on a regular basis. Um, so it's it's one of those that you sit there and say, is it possible? Absolutely, it's possible. I'm telling you right now, it's possible. Um, you know, if the same team that can sign Joel Pedro can also sign Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay. So that, <laughs> that, those a, are things that can happen. The LA galaxy is just uh, a pipeline of Portuguese stars. You know, the, that, it's, that's it's what pretty it clear that, that, that that's what uh, they do. So yeah, I, I, you know, these rumors and as long as there's going to be superstars and as long as America is the, you know, the sports capital uh, of the, of, of the world, that's going to be, you're always going to see Pele did it in the seventies. You know, you saw Beckham do it. Zlatan came, you know, a lot, you know, if you want to consider, you know, someone like Pirlo on that level or Lampard, Gerard, this is something that every entertain. It's surprising to hear names like that thrown around. Uh, we know, you know, Guillermo Barcelona has spoken with Messi's dad. So Messi's been on there. Ronaldo's been on there. These names are always going to circulate uh, with the Americas as long as as long as there's stars in the world. Messi and Cristiano on the LA Galaxy uh, in 2022, 2021. That seems, that's, I mean, really, it seems like a lock. It's no wonder the LA all. Galaxy, you're going to probably let Christian Pavone go, right? I mean, it just doesn't, wouldn't make sense to have Pavone and Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. It's just, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches over and over again. So anyway, I'm sure we'll keep an eye on that one as we continue to march uh, towards uh, regaining soccer. And, you know, the transfer window is going to come this winter or this summer, Eric. Um, and, you know, you were talking about the Euros, which is funny. Uh, because the Euro 2020, it was the it was the 2020 Euros um, are now going to be played in 2021. 
but they're going to retain the name of the 2020 Euros. And uh, the smart, by the way, I, at first I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then immediately after that, reading some of the article, they said, well, mostly because they already printed out all this stuff that has 2020 Euros on it and they didn't want to spend the money to reprint it. I'm like, genius. It's a genius. We're, we're good. We're good. Uh, everything is fine. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it, it's like, that's, that's exactly the reason why you, it should be called the 2020 euros in 2021. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim. It's the Euro 2020 of 2020 happening in 2021. It's kind of that same, same feel. Uh, the, one of the funniest things I saw was the first reply was whoever, you know, squatted on the at Euro 2021 on Twitter, they've got to be kicking themselves because they thought they were going to be able to sell that handle and they're not going to be able to sell it anymore. Yeah, somebody said it's a great idea just to start 2020 over again. So whenever 2020 yeah, goes out, it, we'll just you know what? Let's just pretend this is 2020 all over again. Let's let's do it. I think MLS would also be on board that. All right, before we wrap up, I have one more thing I want to get to. Um, the uh, Loyola Marymount University put out a poll, and basically they've been running this poll um, since 2014, uh, and it's a sports poll, and it's about how how popular certain teams are and certain players are within Los Angeles, Los Angeles County. Um, so the 2020 results are in, and in no surprise, um, it, it was a battle of two teams uh, in, in L.A. If, Eric, if I told you the two most popular teams in Los Angeles, uh, any sport, uh, what would probably those two teams you you would pick? This is this is a debate uh, that we used to have over on the Guys in Shorts podcast when we covered all LA sports teams. It's whose town is it? I think uh, one and two you have Lakers and Dodgers, and I think yep. it's one A one B depending on who's in form. The Dodgers were ranked number one probably the last you know three or four years because of the down years that the Lakers had. But I think when the Lakers are on, to me, I think this is a Lakers town first and foremost. So I think Lakers would be one, Dodgers would be two. And then it, to me, it, there's so many other teams that it's a coin flip after that point. You know, you have Clippers, you have the Angels, you have the Galaxy. I think Galaxy probably nestles in about fourth or fifth, if I had to guess. Okay, so uh, you were correct. Lakers, number one, 35% of the respondents. By the way, they picked 1,000 people. It is representative of a, a fairly large group, those 1,000 people. So, um, you know, the 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 poll that they ran is, is, is statistically sound, and so you can sort of make these generalizations on this. Uh, Lakers, 35%. Dodgers, 31%. Number three was the Rams. Now, the Rams, remember, Dodgers are 31%. Lakers are 35%. The Rams, 7.5%. All right, so you go from 31% down to 7.5%. Okay, that makes sense. I was going to say, uh, Clippers. Uh, Rams, yeah, Rams surprised yeah. me at third. When you say the drop from, you know, 31 to 7, then okay, I get, I understand why that's a third place. Yep, absolutely. 7.5% uh, for the Rams. Uh, fourth, 6.4% to the Clippers. Um, so the Clippers there. But fifth is the LA Galaxy at 6.2%. Then sixth is the Angels at 5.3%. There's a lot of arguments whether the Angels should even be considered, but it was people were asked what their favorite sports team in L.A. was, and people responded with the Angels and Los Angeles, Angels, Anaheim. That's the whole thing. Anyway, we're not getting into that argument. 5.3% uh, for the Angels, 3.4% uh, for the Kings, 2.1% for LAFC, 1.6% for the Chargers, and 1.1% for the Sparks. Okay, so that was how it all played out. 
Now, obviously, LA Galaxy fans uh, jumping up and down just 0.2% behind an NBA franchise, uh, the the Clippers. Um, now, it's the second franchise in the city. Everybody sort of acknowledges that. Um, but at the same time, just barely behind that 6.2% for the Galaxy sitting in fifth place and the most popular soccer team in Southern California by a fairly statistical, statistically wide margin, 2.1% uh, for LAFC and 6.2% for the LA Galaxy. Now, uh, things switch a little bit, though, whenever you talk about their the uh, when participants were asked to select their favorite player. OK, favorite player. Uh, gee, Eric, uh, surprise. Everybody's favorite player was LeBron James. Um, <laughs> 46 percent of the vote um, with only three other players even reaching five percent. Um, it was the Dodgers Cody Bellinger at 10.7 percent and LAFC's Carlos Vela at 8.3 percent. Uh, Mike Trout finished that up with 6.7 percent. Um, there as well. So um, no real surprise there. I will tell you, Latani Ibrahimovic in the 2020 poll was still listed at this. Uh, he finished at 1.9%. Um, let's see. I want to make sure I got that. Yeah, 1.9% on there. And he, he technically wasn't even playing on the team anymore. So I was going to say, I, I, it looks like you have the stats in front of you. I don't have it in front of me. Is this pre-Chicharito? Because I think if you if you polled again, you might get a different, uh, different response. Uh, because, you know, someone like Mike Trout and Carlos Vela, they're not really out in the media. They're not really personalities. So, right. um, you know, so they're not going to jump to the front of the page. I think given the options, you know, they're, they're going to be on there. But at the same time, I think if you were to pull this post Chicharito, regardless of, you know, his first two games with the Galaxy, popularity amongst, you know, fans and, and, and households, I think he'd he'd easily jump up on that list pretty quickly. Well, here was also in the article published by the L.A. Times, again, off of this Loyola Marymount University poll. Now, they've been running this poll since 2014. Uh, they did not run it in 2019, which may have seen Zlatan Ibrahimovic really sort of have a, a more of an impact on the poll. Um, and they didn't break it down, or at least I didn't see. I didn't dig real deep into this, like, you know, 20-page thing. I wasn't, you know, wasn't going to do that. But I got, I got some of the abstracts, some of the takeaways on it. I didn't see if, uh, if they had anything, um, you know, in 2019. There was no poll run in 2019, so it was 2018 was the last time. But they've been running it since 2014. So uh, of the 51 demographic breakdowns, however, uh, considered in the LMU survey, uh, LeBron James was the most popular athlete in 49. Um, I'm just going to say this because it was in the article and I found it interesting and it's also a duh, but also a question mark. So just, I, I don't want people to think I'm trying to be, uh, rude here. I'm just reading what was said in this article. I really, it has to have a ton of cav caveats in it. Um, so LeBron James was out of the 51 demographics. LeBron James was most popular in 49 of them. So across the board, the most popular, uh, the other two. Um, so those other two demographics, Carlos Vela was the most popular uh, in the other two. And that was the demographics he was most popular in were Spanish speakers. Okay, makes sense. Okay, that, that one I can see, certainly. And like you said, if you run that again with Chicharito, does Chicharito um, do that? Um, and the second one that he was uh, most popular with, Carlos Fellow, was people that had not completed high school. Those were the two, and we move on from there. Uh, the other sort of fun thing that I got here, <laughs> I was just, again, I'm reading it directly <laughs> From the report, I'm doing my okay. job. Just presenting okay. without, just, just sharing not, it no, out there. My, no my other, The other demographic, I wasn't sure if Nick, Nick Jr. viewers, if they maybe were a little confused, <laughs> if that's why Carlos Vela was uh, voted or most the All right, yes. that. Okay. we're going to play uh, next. We're no, play you next. weren't going to say that. I, I, I get it. Okay. So, yeah, someone um, might moving say on. That. I didn't say it. One might say. One might say that. 
but they didn't. <laughs> Nobody said that, actually, whenever you think about it. Don't go back and play the tape. Um, there is one other interesting thing, and it was not in the article, but I was able to put it together for you. I said that this thing was being run since 2014. There is another team that they did poll in terms of popularity in Los Angeles and Los Angeles County starting in 2014. Um, that was Chivas USA. Chivas USA is listed on this. Um, it was listed at 2.7% in 2014. It was listed at 1.9% uh, in 2015. Um, and that means that in 2014, Chivas USA was more popular, 2.7% than LAFC is popular right now with a, I would argue, a much better team than they ever had in, in terms of things at the 2.1%. So again, just interesting whenever you're looking at all these things. Is it, does it mean anything? No. Um, is it, is it, is it interesting to see that the LA galaxy has wide and broad support across an entire LA County? Yes. I mean, you know, we could have told you that hammer. We didn't need anybody to to do that for you, but that's what you're seeing within this poll. And that's what you have. Um, so, think, uh, yeah, I, I was also going to say, it's important to note, um, you know, where these polls are coming from. And, you know, this is something out of a university. Sometimes you will see, you know, things come out of a Twitter poll or think, you know, fans were, were polled at this specific website and it's going to skew a certain way. If use the best MLS franchise, the results are going to skew a certain way. So you may see some different things out there, but I think this is a, a trusted poll where you can say, you know, and you see it around the city. Uh, you know, there are pockets where, where the noisy neighbors are, are popular, but I think broadly in Southern California and the Los Angeles area, the Galaxy are clearly, uh, you know, a fan favorite. It is, uh, it is certainly that. So an interesting poll, sort of take it there. Uh, LA Galaxy, the most popular team in Southern California in terms of uh, uh, their popularity across LA County. Um, in terms of soccer teams there, uh, it's still Lakers town and it's LeBron James's town right now. Um, and that's not really a surprise to anyone. All right. Uh, I think that's about it, Eric. I think we I think we covered everything we needed to cover. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? I mean, do you want to brag about a goal that you scored or didn't score or <laughs> anything like that on your not on this your week. on your not this week? No, no, you're yeah. You're done? I mean, I, I it's it's funny if if you're following Cosmo SC drama, God bless you for for following it. But I made the first team, then I got challenged for my first team spot, lost my first team spot, then we had a scrimmage, and it, there's a whole thing. Cosmo SC two beat Cosmo SC one the first team it's a whole thing it's a whole thing so you know i'm now on promotion Twitch. relegation promotion relegation say, i mean sc <laughs> cosmo sc2 is now now the number one they get to take the name right yeah that, that's how it works so it's actually funny i will i will give a plug for cosmo sc this saturday they are going to be taking on uh san jose earthquakes pro clubs team so this thing has kind of gathered a following and, and got enough eyes behind it to where now other clubs uh supporters are catching on and so you know, LA Galaxy fan group playing in FIFA versus a San Jose uh, Earthquakes fan group. So it's going to be a lot of fun on Saturday night at 8.30, usual stream, which is Who is Kylo on Twitch. And then also just a shameless plug for myself because that's how I roll. Uh, I'm also on Twitch going to be streaming some of these games as they happen. You can find me at uh, EVHammer9. So, you know, I'm on Twitch now. It's a thing. I was going to say, uh, last thing before we, we, we talked about it on Monday, but uh, just the, Joao Pedro uh, speaking out of turn about Zlatan and his $300 million on his uh, private island. I was going to say, I was proud of you. You, you handled that perfectly. Uh, you know, if you read the actual original piece uh, from Record in, in Portugal, it was a story about him and his journey. And he 
you know, mention some things because, of course, when you play on a team with Zlatan, they're going to ask you about Zlatan. And so he shared his stories. And so, uh, of course, the American media and MLS journalists and people who are familiar with Zlatan took the specific quotes about Zlatan, made the article about Zlatan and made it seem like, you know, Joao was just saying these things, uh, you know, as a hit piece, a quote unquote hit piece. But really, he was just yep. sharing stories of, of what happened. And you mentioned it. And, and I, you know, I have some sources as well that can confirm that those things were actually said. So whether you, you know, agree with the, uh, the player's ability or the players, you know, whether they were a legend, whether they were not, I'm personally, I, I loved Zlatan. I loved his time here. He gave a lot of great memories to the club. I'll, I'll always remember the games that he played in. So it's nothing against him, but that was his persona. And those were the things that he said. And it just gives a little bit of a peek into it. I don't think Joao expected that to be, um, you know, to get the legs that it did. Uh, but I think part of that has to do with quarantine as well. People are dying for stories and will take any quotes out of context that they can uh, to make something happen. So, uh, you know, the way you described it on Monday's show, I thought was excellent. Uh, it, it was what it was. He didn't say anything that was not untrue. Uh, you know, ruffled a few feathers, gave people a story for three or four days. But uh, I think it was, it was much to do about nothing. It wasn't really uh, things we didn't know or didn't suspect. And it's also, you know, that wasn't really the purpose of the piece on Joao. It was more of his return to Portugal and getting playing time. Uh, it's funny, if you read the article, he actually has, you know, I'm not going to say disparaging things of, of uh, some deceased, but he may have had issues with some coaching staff members instead of other players. You know, Zlatan, he even right. said it was something that motivated him and he had more issues, you know, getting playing time with some of the coaching staff. So, you know, they, that part didn't get shared. So it was just interesting, no. you know, the things people get pick up. Well, of course, it means Zlatan, you know, that's how that's how it works. All right. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you then, Eric, and uh, we'll get on out of here. Right. As always, you can find me on Twitter at JS Hammer. You can also find, follow me on Instagram at Galaxy Profile. That's Galaxy P R O F O U L. And again, I'm on Twitch at EV Hammer 9. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J G U E S M A N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Our bracket is done, but I'm sure we'll find some other stuff to have on out there. Our FIFA games are up there. Three games for you. Three games. Uh, so you can check it out. Uh, and we'll probably do another one this weekend as well. All right, for Eric the Portuguese Hammer, I'm Josh Pato Gesman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on CornerofTheGalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on CornerofTheGalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.